0: Welcome to Screen Talk, everybody. I'm Ann Thompson.
1: I'm Ryan LaTonzio.
0: Well, we missed you. You were away. You were playing somewhere, somewhere exotic. Where were you playing?
1: Yes, I played. I, I went to Puerto Vallarta for a friend's birthday, which I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's sort of a gay vacation destination. It's very much a vortex of WeHo gays and boomers, strangely. Uh, it's a weird mix of people that go there. Uh, it's very much a place that one should be in for a long weekend, a lost weekend, if you will. And I was there for almost nine days. So it was I was a, a little, little worried too...
0: about you there.
1: I was worried about me, too. But uh, yeah, there was some food poisoning, some foodborne illness bouts. Uh, but I got actually... food
0: poisoning when I was there. You know what it was from? Cheese. I remember this.
1: Oh, interesting. I got it from, uh, well, you know, raw fish. That is, you know, always, you're always taking a risk when you're eating raw fish.
0: So we have a lot to cover this week, even though, I mean, there's a lot of award stuff going on, but the first news of the day is that we both saw Dune, part two, and um, I uh, relished it, immersed myself in it, thought it was the most stunning visual extravaganza cinematic wonderment that I could imagine at the same time that some of the editing and the plot points felt rushed I, for a three hour movie. That's a strange thing to say, but there's, there were logistics that gave, that hung me up a little bit. Like, like uh, how do they get off the sandworms? You know, and I wonder I had
1: the exact same them. question. How did they sort of choreograph the, the roots, like how do they know the sandworm is going to take they them were thinking, where hey, they're going to go? Take me going? down
0: to the south, and they all right, go off right. in a straight line. I don't. How do they control them? It's one thing to ride it. The very first sequence when Timothy Chalamet as Paul Treatise, you know, has to prove his manhood basically and get on the thing and ride it. That's one thing. You're riding it. That I get but to control it and and to use it as a form of transportation for entire uh, villages of people i don't get
1: How do you stop it when, you know, size wise, you're like a gnat that's on the back of this thing? I don't know what I don't know what you would do to get it to stop and get it then where where do they go?
0: Do they go off and eat other people? I guess
1: I guess. Yeah, that that (laughs) that that, there there definitely are logistical issues there. And I agree that some things felt very rushed, especially I felt the ending, which we can't really talk about here. And then there's other elements that felt very, uh, you know, protracted. In this way. And so well, I
0: loved the love stories. Andrea and and Timothy Chalamet are lovely. You know, they really are. And and when in doubt, Villeneuve or his editor Joe Walker go for a close-up of her. And, and she makes the movie. I mean, it's really important because she's like the conscience of the movie, worrying about what's going to happen to her lover, what is going to happen to him when he becomes this mythological godlike creature and the movie doesn't back off of that and you know you see that you see that he he's transforming and making decisions that are going to change everything um and and it it works that all of that works and the and the extraordinary detail of of the design i think don't you
1: yes certainly all the sort of gizmos if you will and and whirly gigs on display are on par with the first movie just in terms of the ambition of the design and how much of it you can see was really practical the, the, that part of it totally works but it's interesting how this movie has such a really such a bigger cast than the first film and I think a lot of them were kind of wasted um, maybe they're being saved for the third film that this we'll one... we more
0: of Florence Pugh and... But uh, like
1: Christopher Walken, he did seem to not know work. who or where he was. No, it was very is much a good. where's my mark and what's my line kind of performance. Like, he is mm. not in the same movie as everyone else, which I found sort of hilarious, but unintentionally. No, and he's playing the emperor, laughing. who was in a character that was not shown in the first yeah, movie. Yeah, and the he's not that threatening. He's movie. not
0: that scary. I mean, of course, no. uh, Stellan Skarsgård is the... Uh, Baron Harconan is much more, much more scary, and the other person who's very scary is Austin Butler uh, as Fade and the 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 uh, the the extraordinarily scary uh, black mouthed, hairless white villain of the piece.
1: Hairless, even down to the eyebrows, he has no eyebrows or body hair of any kind. And as playing someone who is the grandson of Selen Skarsgård, I thought he did a very good Alexander Skarsgård impression. It's almost a role (laughs) but I imagine it could have been him. He sort of affected that gravelly voice that these uh, Skarsgårds acquire over time. Though there is this battle sequence that, uh inverts to black and white which uh, I can't take credit for this That's observation a gladiator our, thing yeah gladiator. and our, our critic David Ehrlich like, sort of likened it to an almost Zack Snyder kind of moment and I do think that this black the use of this black and white to sort of convey the binaries of this Harkonnen universe was sort of a misstep or an odd choice. There's case. a
0: lot of scale. and so that was one of the places where he used a lot of scale. Um, the scale of the worms, the scale of the number of people worshiping in these huge scenes in the town, um, the scale of the war, the, the, the battles. These, the, the, this is he's playing with a lot of of big sequences on a and it's epic and it's beautiful. And but my favorite stuff is obviously, you know, character things. Javier Bardem, fabulous. The Bene Gesserit, always useful and and fun. And there's a moment in the movie, a huge moment for me, that I want to, I don't want to spoil, but it has to do with using the Bene Gesserit voice. And I I really leapt out of my chair when it happened.
1: For me. You know, if if you're someone who your favorite character from the first movie was Lady Jessica, played by Rebecca Ferguson, you will have a very different feeling about her in this movie because she's really playing more of a crazy loony who sort of drank literally the Kool-Aid, if you will. I don't see it
0: that way. She's looking out for her son.
1: She seems a little bit. She was fine. She was the sure, same. Sure. Sure. Uh, Leia Sedu is one of the Ben Gesserit in there for all of sixty seconds, probably. Effective.
0: We'll see more of her. We have number three coming, and we're all you know salivating. The first one went out day and date. It was a disastrous thing during the during the pandemic, and and it it did okay. It did a lot of business. four hundred million it or
1: so. Yeah. Uh, box it wasn't office. what it would have been in the best of circumstances. It did as well as it could have.
0: So this one was pushed from November 3rd because of the strikes and wanting to finish it to March 15th and then back up to March 1st. So we've got um, huge expectations for the box office on this. So the theaters will be happy.
1: It's a movie that had it come out in November as it was supposed to. It might have pushed the box office over that, you know. Ten million mark it certainly would have and now you know now we can depend on it to sort of do the same for for this year hopefully.
0: this could be a big oscar contender too now i was about to make the point that at this time of year they send out all the also rans. so dune 2 isn't one of those dune 2 is something there is a real reason to be optimistic about its box office chances at this time it's not a, it's not a terrible thing but there are a lot of other movies that are that were pushed back or were deemed not oscar worthy one of them was the Bob Marley, which is actually doing well at the box
1: office. Even very though well. I still haven't it. seen it.
0: You don't need to. You don't need. I to. I
1: won't. I don't think I will.
0: No, I mean the music's good. Um, and then the other one is—I um, mean—I'm just assuming that they wouldn't be releasing Shirley now with Regina King as Shirley Chisholm, if if it had been a, a real Oscar-worthy, uh, you know, role for That's her. Right,
1: and that'll be on Netflix.
0: And then the other one is Drive-Away Dolls, which I loved, and I interviewed uh, Ethan Cohen and and his wife Trisha Cook, his lesbian wife Trisha Cook, and it's all about lesbians. It's it's about raunchy ribald lesbians on the road looking for good sex, and it's so fun.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It is brazenly sapphic in all ways uh, possible. <laughs> Uh, which I I also enjoyed it very much. Uh, Margaret quayle and Geraldine Viswanathan are uh, lesbian gal pals that are on this very Cohen esque kind of road trip where they have a suitcase that does not belong to them, and so people are after them for it. And I really appreciated the body sort of wall to wall body humor of it all. And even Beanie Feldstein I think is very funny. He's hilarious. Who is oh, like yeah. playing almost like an audience surrogate? Who is like calling the story out and sort of calling the characters out on their behavior? I didn't really like that. There's a Just dog that's a humping people. I don't really like this gag of dog. I think we can move beyond dogs humping people uh, for comedic effect. Or but or wall dildos. Wall dildos. I mean, I have to say, I ha- I mean, I've seen a few wall dildos in my life, but you mean rarely, they exist in real life? On screen, they do exist. Yes.
0: Shows you how much I know. Um, but they, the the idea being that they're turning the tropes of the raunchy boy movie and making it girls instead. And it's perfectly funny. It's really, really fun. But they have all these cameos. They've got Matt Damon. They've got Pedro Pascal. They've got, I mean, Coleman Domingo has a real heart, but uh, I was sort of amazed that they were able to get these, these act. They just said you know what we're going to have a good time
1: yeah you know if you want to put it in the cohen universe which it sort of is as a as an adjacent to the universe it reminded me of burn after reading and that even even the carter burwell score i think he plagiarizes some of his own music from burn after reading which i maybe no one would know but me because i've seen that movie a dozen times but uh in terms of it's just sort of It's not a movie that's necessarily trying to say anything. And I appreciated that and found that.
0: Exactly. It's a B movie. It's, it wants to be a movie. It's, it's four bears are Russ Meyer and John Waters, basically. You know, that's what it, that's what it's aiming to be. It's not pretentious. It's not serious. And I think we could all use more, more movies like this. And it's
1: 80 minutes. You could fit two of them inside of Dune part two and still have some (laughs) leftover running time.
0: So we we both recommend that. So uh, one other note is that there's a new Bong Joon-ho movie, Mickey 17, with Robert Pattinson, a sci-fi thriller, you know, that, that was supposed to come out soon. And they've pushed it back to uh, January 31 of 2025. Now, when you do that, it's signaling that it's not a good movie, basically, that they're dumping it it's never they say that they want IMAX they say that they want to celebrate the Lunar New Year I mean what do you think Ryan
1: okay uh it's interesting because it was supposed to come out this spring and then Warners undated it which suggested okay maybe they're taking it to Cannes which you know would make sense because bongs films almost always show up there and no, it's not a good sign in the Pam Abdi Mike DeLuca universe that this movie is now happening I January to
0: 31st. love the villain.
1: Sure, make him the villain, yes. Uh, but I wonder I mean, I, I'm trying to get to the bottom of what it is that is showing signs of people not having faith in it in this one, and it's not really clear. I mean, there, I suppose there is an opportunity to show that January can be a good box office month. I mean, this is a a bong movie. It's got Robert Pattinson, Stephen Yoon, Tony Collette, all of these people that you know we're familiar with and love. And uh, January is often a dumping ground, and so it's not a good sign. But maybe it can turn around the course on the narrative for what I January guess I
0: means. have a lot of faith in um, Deluca and Abdi. Actually, I respect them, and I think they know what they're doing. But they're not beyond cutting their losses if something is going to be um, uncommercial. you know They need to prove themselves with hits. So the question there is, is whether they're dumping it or whether this is a an opportunity. And I suspect that you're right, that they're dumping hey, it.
1: And what is Bong's temperament amid this all? Because this is his first time really conforming himself to a studio movie. Uh, well,
0: he ran into some trouble with Harvey, was- remember?
1: Yes, with Snowpiercer. And he he even was he cleverly manipulated Harvey into not making various changes to Snowpiercer that Harvey then dumped anyway. And I think Snowpiercer could have been a much bigger movie than it was if it weren't for the Harvey. It's a great movie.
0: It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. But it's an art movie. And that's the secret sauce of Bong Joon-ho. He's going to make an art movie. What makes you think he's going to this very this movie is very expensive. You know, what makes you think that he's, you know, gonna make a commercial movie all of a sudden, just because Parasite was, doesn't mean that he knows how to make a Hollywood commercial movie.
1: And Parasite wasn't intending to be a commercial no. movie, it just happened to be that way.
0: It was one of those great kismet moments. It's also Plan B. And plan B also produced the Bob Marley movie. And so it's an interesting situation where they don't they're known for always hitting home runs. Always. And this is too, well, Bob Marley's a home run in the sense that it's box office. All right, so then the uh, Berlin uh, has happened um, and it's actually a return to form in the sense of a market. Uh, The EFM actually had some, some big sales Um, and and some good you know something called a big bold beautiful journey one of those titles i can never remember without having to write it down um is you know koganada but you know margot robbie colin farrell a romantic fantasy uh i'm in i want to see this that sold for 15 million dollars to sony so i'm looking forward to that one
1: I mean, I loved the Coganada film after Yang that A24 released, also his first um, pairing with uh, Colin Farrell. But then obviously... He's a very capable filmmaker. We saw with uh, Columbus, his uh, debut uh, English language feature a few years ago. It's interesting, the market, the titles. You know, when I was on vacation, I tried to keep tabs on things as best I could. And what was coming out of the market was far overshadowing what was actually playing at the festival. Now, where... Some of the
0: stuff at the festival got bad reviews.
1: Bad reviews. I saw one yesterday that uh, I my review went up today. That'll be on Netflix next week. Spaceman with Adam Sandler, directed by Johan Rank, who is the director of all episodes of Chernobyl. It's terrible. It's a terrible movie. He is an astronaut uh, marooned on a solo mission on the outskirts of Jupiter, but he is spending all of his time bemoaning his fractured marriage to his wife who's played by a wasted Carrie Mulligan who's down on earth and then he sort of hallucinates and befriends this tarantula like alien creature that's very cool looking uh, voiced by Paul Dano I'm sure it's a movie that'll shoot to the number 1 or 2 on the Netflix ranking when it when it streams next weekend but it'll drop off immediately after that it's extremely dour it's a really depressing movie actually
0: La Cochina is is it got good reviews that one I'm I'm really looking forward to first language first English language for Alonzo Ruiz Palacios with Rooney Mera. it's like the kitchen in this restaurant is a is is representing the world you know all the all the different layers of of authority and everything. That sounds that just sounds good to me. So um, And it's that's in Times fair. Square.
1: So where else to put a fractious kitchen than than there? You yeah. know, another one that I'm excited about that shutter acquired is The Devil's Bath from Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, the directors of Goodnight Mommy. We know they know how to put on a good horror show. And so that one uh, also has really strong reviews. And then a movie that I think will entertain both of us, uh, a documentary that movie acquired is this Powell and Pressburger documentary. Can't wait.
0: Can't wait. So so there was some Oscar campaigning going on. Uh, Scorsese got a big tribute and Vendors presented to him. So Vendors is up for perfect days for foreign, for international. And then uh, Scorsese, of course, has Killers of the Flower Moon. And then the other movie was the opener starring Killian Murphy. Right. So this is called Small Things Like These, and it's an Irish movie. That's for sale. Got good reviews, really good reviews. So he came out of Berlin with with a boost on that front. And then he had a boost at the BAFTAs, uh, which I figured he would, you know. So it's really a, a race now between Killian Murphy and uh, Paul Giamatti for yeah, Best Actor. Yeah, I mean,
1: Oppenheimer got a huge boost from the BAFTAs. I mean, that obviously was Seven. a hometown favorite, but, uh, you know, it's... It's only underscoring the inevitable as we lurch toward March 10th. You know, it was nice to get to take a little break from following award season while I was on this vacation. But I know one thing that sort of came up last night that we've been talking about is the fact that uh, the creator uh, just won the top visual effects society award, uh, which will not so necessarily our... repeat. And we can explain right. why. So,
0: our, uh, you know, VFX. Expert craft expert Bill Desowitz um, predicted that that would be the winner at VES, and it's an extraordinary job. I saw the movie finally. That's one of those movies that came out and sort of didn't make a big impression, and it's a much better, smarter, cooler movie than I thought it was. I was I was impressed. The problem. Is not that it has great visual effects because they're amazing. The reason I think the reason that it didn't do better is that somehow the lead role played by John David Washington just wasn't charismatic enough. It just as written or as played, it just the 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 the, the little robot, if you like AI, the the creature that, that star is really the star of the movie is fabulous, incredible, beautiful. But the humans are very impressive.
1: Well, exactly. That's the thing. Is a movie that's sort of about the potential for AI to take over our world, the human element is dramatically missing. And so it only sort of feeds into what its thesis is. But I agree on a visual effects point of view, what Gareth Edwards achieved here. Uh, I think the film had a $80 million budget. Which uh, I
0: found hard to believe, which... but apparently that is true. And he should get kudos the, the... for that. But that... That's one there, of the reasons why Godzilla minus one is the one that's going to win the the Oscar because whereas of Godzilla
1: the, the budget is like 10 million which is not unusual for a for a large-scale Japanese production because they work with such smaller teams i mean uh shiragumi who's the production house on this one i think they had 35 people versus you look at like 400 who work on a guardians of the galaxy or something if you look at and the, the credits
0: other- on something like creator but creator cut it back they did they did cut it back to their credit it's possible to do these big vfx movies for a lot for a lot less money um it could be the creator wins i was just sort of fascinated by why this big big uh disney movie with would- You know that was released it was a fox movie for one thing so maybe they didn't support it but it was expensive they should have gotten more out of it than they than they did
1: and and i think it could serve as a model for how to do this kind of movie because gareth edwards what he achieved here is really amazing that there's no motion capture shoots Things are shot on location and camera with a sort of a complete cut that he then was working with to retrofit the special effects into the movie at a fraction of the price that it would have been if it were the reverse.
0: So in a weird way, creator and Godzilla minus one have the same narrative. It's just that minus one did it to such a much more dramatic degree.
1: And, but there, but, budget. and minus one has a couple other things going for it, which is that the director Takashi Yamakazi also did the visual effects, and you know, with him being nominated for visual effects, this is the first time this has happened since Stanley Kubrick won for 2001. Uh, who, he also did the digital uh, visual effects, and of course was the director of the movie, as we know. And it's the first Godzilla movie not only to be nominated. For best visual effects and the first japanese film to be nominated for best visual effects All and then, of, of course those
0: narratives will add up to something sick and if you go if i went to the academy nominees lunch at that lunch the team was there with with a little godzilla figurine and everything one of those people looked about 14 years old you know one of the vfx seriously they looked <laughs> so young um anyway i hope i'm i'm, I'm they're both worthy well he, Gareth Edwards, landed the next Jurassic movie in a After kind of bake-off.
1: David Leitch. Uh, yeah, d- big takeoff, and
0: Spielberg picked him. Yeah. The other thing that was going on in Berlin was that Christine Vachon had taken the uh, Sundance movie um, that that uh, that did very well, A Different Man. A twenty four took that, and A twenty four was also selling Celine Song's next movie, The Materialists, in Berlin. So that was a cool. That was an interesting.
1: I loved *A Different Man*. I'm very excited for you to. I saw that at Sundance. I'm very excited. I want to it. see it. One. It's
0: one of the ones they wouldn't. They didn't show us. A 24 never shows. The, the movies. And they don't before.
1: give you screeners to watch yeah. on your computer. Yeah, no,
0: they'll have. You know, they'll screen the it. They'll of. screen it. I'll see it eventually. The, the Baftas question is: is the is is what is we can assume that at Oppenheimer, all the wins will probably repeat, and we can we can wonder. If American fiction, which one the critics choice is going to win adapted screenplay again. But in this case, it wasn't up against Barbie. So Barbie could win still. It, it has more competition at the end. There's a reason to think American fiction is strong. No question. It's that versus Barbie. You'd think it would be Oppenheimer, but it's probably right. American fiction.
1: And there is the groundswell around awarding Greta Gerwig after her snub. I mean, and she is she is addressing this in talking points in every interview ever since the snub. They all are.
0: She got nominated. She did get nominated for for picture where Margot Robbie got that, and this is her her writing nomination. But the question. The question there is, is because at the Academy luncheon, there was huge applause for her and Margot Margo Robbie, because it was real, you know, that happened. They recognized that they deserved it. So I'm curious to see if that plays out. But the affection for American fiction from men is huge. And the Academy is still dominated by men. It just is. So we can't take Barbie for granted.
1: And we have a, we have a tough weekend ahead for this profession because we have SAG awards. We have the producers guild awards. We have the spirit awards. Those two are on the same day and, uh, the Berlin awards are also happening in Germany. So there's a lot going on and I am not attending any of these things, but I will be at all of them in absentia from my living room this time around. Where, where are you going to be this weekend?
0: So I'm gonna be sitting, I had an invitation to go to the SAG Awards, which are on Netflix this year, but Marcus Jones is gonna go and I'm gonna be in my pajamas doing my usual thing, writing it up right away, which I always do. I use, sometimes I've done it at Sundance, you know, you never know where you're gonna be when the SAG Awards are happening. And then the other, uh, I'm gonna go to the Spirits for sure. And then I'm going to, uh, Marcus is gonna cover the PGA.
1: The sag awards are what they're like 8 p.m you're already going to be in your pajamas by then you've given up at that point point.
0: 5 p.m yeah i i may not have taken off my pajamas all day you never <laughs> right. know i'm wearing clothes right now but you don't know where you're i was wearing your ai ago. shirt yeah i'm wearing my this is my uh i love this shirt so vintage from the from the release by the way speaking of spielberg gotta read that story in the Hollywood reporter about uh, Schindler's List that's And he said, Zone of
1: Interest is the best Holocaust movie I've seen since my own, which I thought was an interesting turn of phrase.
0: (laughs) It's fascinating. I don't believe anything that Mike Ovitz says in the interview, but it is a fascinating story to read. I interviewed Spielberg myself for an EW cover story on Schindler's List when it opened and uh there was stuff in there that he didn't tell me he's he it, it's it, in the over the course of time you you come out with different things to say
1: and there and he'll come out with more things to say in another 10 years
0: next week we're going to rank the shorts yes. what they sh- you know what's going to win in each of the shorts categories and then the week after that we will do our full list of oscar final predictions
1: you got to start working on that
0: okay see you later